my third time here, and if you missed out on the two previous times that I've been here, hello, nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Joachim. I know that's a hard name to pronounce. Uh, I, I tell U.S. people that if you just try to imagine a rapper greeting the North Korean dictator, yo, Kim, that will, that will bring you in the vicinity of how my name is pronounced, but the rest of you can just call me Pastor, you're welcome, and I'll, I'll be perfectly fine with that. It's great to be back in the house at City Point, Colorado. Pastor Aaron, Pastor Becky, world-class leaders, world-class friends. Love you guys so, so much. Uh, and, and again, like you hear, this guy is not from around here. Uh, no, sir, the word of God is coming to you with a Swedish accent this morning. I hope that's okay with you. Uh, apart from being named Joachim, I'm also married to my wife, which is... And her name is Maria. Actually, in May, we celebrated our 35th anniversary. Yay! We have two amazing daughters, Evelina and Julia. Julia is married, and she's got two kids of her own. My two grandsons right there. Everybody goes, aww. And I can't get over the fact that the one with the hair is called Zion, and the one with not so much hair at all, that's Samson, which, which is... Incredible. And apart from being a husband and a father and a grandfather, I'm also pastoring Word of Life Church in Uppsala, Sweden. Sweden is a frozen nation in North Europe, governed by two princesses called Elsa and Anna, <laughs> who reside in the castle of Ikea. Maybe you've heard about it. On a more serious note, guys, Sweden is one of the most secularized and anti-Christian nations in the world. But praise God, my Bible says that where sin abounded, grace would abound even more. And by that grace, we're seeing the Spirit of God do amazing things in our nation. And also by that same grace, we've been able to plant 850 churches from our church uh, in Europe, in Central Asia, in basically every horrible nation on the face of the earth. Uh, we have churches in Afghanistan and North Korea and Iraq and Syria and Iran. And I asked the Lord, will we ever plant a church in like Hawaii or you know, <laughs> someplace actually nice? But it seems like it's constantly leading us to the, the darkest places because that's where the light will shine the brightest. Amen? Guys, if you're ever around Europe, please come and visit us. Just don't come in the winter because you would die. And... Uh, <laughs> I want to share a word with you this morning that I am going to speak about the person whose presence is so tangible in this house this morning, the Holy Spirit. And I want to speak about, I call this message, Spirit Comes, Church Goes. Spirit Comes, Church Goes. And if you brought your Bible or your YouVersion app or whatever, uh, I'm going to start reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we're going to read the story of the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So from verse 1, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Amen. Now, you know, I've read this story so many times. And every time, basically, I was convinced that, okay, I understand what's going on here. This is God the Father equipping the baby church of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit so he can go out and fulfill the Great Commission to preach the gospel everywhere across the world. And that's, of course, the central part of, of this, this passage. However, a few years ago, I read the same story, and it was like my eyes popped up a little bit wider than they had before. And I realized that on the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit is poured out, God is not just doing one thing, He's actually doing two things. One thing takes place inside the four walls of the church. The Spirit is preparing the church, you and I, to speak the gospel, to share Jesus. However, <laughs> the Spirit is at the very same time, the Spirit is also doing a work on the street. People are being gathered and in, they stand in bewilderment, wondering, what is this noise? What is going on? Curiosity is stirred and another group of people are being prepared to receive the word that the church is being prepared to share. So one group is prepared to give, another is prepared to receive. One group is prepared to share, and another group is there is prepared to accept Jesus Christ. And as I realized this, the Spirit of the Lord started speaking to me saying, Joachim, because he can pronounce my name. And, and he said, it's the same way today. We, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And every time you come together, like this Sunday morning, we, in, we, you know, we revel in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we are being spiritually prepared to go back into our world this upcoming week and shine the light of Jesus, amen? But at the same time, right now, as the Spirit works in us, preparing us to share, I do believe from the bottom of my heart that somewhere among your friends, relatives, neighbors, the people of your world, there are people being prepared right now by the same Spirit to hear the word that you are being prepared to share. Amen? So the Spirit does these two things. And as, and as we started to, as I started to share this word with my church and teach this to my church to get the faith level up, that when you go back into your world, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there will be, prepared, there will be prepared people around you. There will be people around you that God has prepared to receive the love that he's prepared you to share. And when we did that and the faith level started to increase regarding that, we started seeing miracles. We started seeing more people coming to faith. We started seeing more healings because we put faith in the fact that the Spirit is not just preparing us, He's actually touching and preparing the world around us as well. And I could tell you so many stories, but let's just, let's just limit it to one. I want to tell you about a guy. This is a 25-year-old Muslim refugee who ended up in Sweden a few years ago. Now this guy came from Syria and he ended up in a city about one hour north of where we are. And as he started to kind of try to make this new cold nation his home, 
He had a weird experience the other summer. He started having the same dream every single night. It was that same dream just kept coming back. And in this dream, he saw a big auditorium where thousands of people were standing like this. And this guy was a Muslim. He had no concept whatsoever about church or Christianity. He had no idea what this was. Who are these people? And why are they standing like this? It made no sense whatsoever. But the dream kept coming back. So he assumed this must mean something. I need to find that place. So he started going out on the street asking random people, Swedish people, excuse me, have you know, do you know of a big auditorium where thousands of people are standing like this? <laughs> now his first mistake was the fact that Swedes don't speak to each other. <laughs> we are social invalids, super introvert. I'm the exception, but everybody else. You know, when Swedes come to the US, they get shocked because you guys are like social interaction world champions. You talk to each other all the time and to strangers. Every time I go into an elevator in, in the US and there's someone in there, they will go, what's up? I'm used to it and I love it, but a regular Swede freaks out. What's up? How, how do I respond to that? Who are you, like a serial killer? Why are you referring to an app on my phone? <laughs> so anyway, this guy goes around asking random people for this mysterious place. Nobody can help him. And then after a while, he's, he just comes to the conclusion, okay, I need to find this place myself. It's a big auditorium that pops up in my dream. So probably it's in the capital of Sweden, which is Stockholm. So this Muslim gets on a train to go to Stockholm to try to find this mysterious auditorium. Now, as, he, as you, you go from his city to Stockholm, the last city you pass before arriving in Stockholm is our city, Uppsala. So he passes us by and he comes to the Stockholm train station. He steps out on the platform and a random person walks straight up to him, never seen this man before, and this man says, uh, excuse me, you went one station too far. You need to go back one station and you will find what you're looking for. So he says, thank you. And then he walks back on the train. <laughs> and he goes back one station to our city. And he walks out on the street to the first random person he sees, saying, excuse me, do you know of a big auditorium where thousands of people stand like this? And that person says, that's Word of Life Church. Everybody knows that. He's given directions to our church. He takes the local bus. Saturday night, he comes into our church, first time ever in a church. When he comes into the auditorium, he recognizes the auditorium in detail. The balconies, the colors, the, the, the whole thing. And it's, Saturday, it's our Saturday night meeting. Thousands of people are standing like this, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing he hears right at the end of the service is maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. And he hears the gospel for the first time. How Jesus loves him. How Jesus died and rose again. And how you can be forgiven from all your sins by accepting him, accepting him as your Lord and Savior. He lifts up his hand. He accepts Jesus Christ into his heart. Oh, And only later did we find out about the 
how much heavenly coordination that went into this project. How God gave this guy a dream and put it on repeat and placed an angel at the Stockholm train station. My friend, this is how much God loves one single individual. There is no limit to his love and what he would do to get another person within the range of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And again, we were reminded that yes, God is preparing us to share, but truly he's also preparing the world around us to receive. Amen. Now, so if God is preparing us to share, and at the same time also God is preparing the world to receive, what is our part? What do we have to do? What is up to us? Two things. Number one, dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. Dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. Church, I'm not talking Sunday morning Because you don't even need faith to believe that the Spirit is here right now. It's obvious. We're gathered in the name of Jesus. His presence is here and it's tangible. I'm, I'm talking about Monday morning. I'm talking about Tuesday night. I'm talking about your regular life. Where you don't feel something. Where you don't have an emotional experience. Dare to believe that is there just the same. Willing to use you at any time. Let's read John chapter 14. This is, these are words from Christ. Really, the first time Jesus himself goes into depth about the person, the Holy Spirit, who will replace him on earth. And it's interesting to me that the first thing Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John 14 verse 16 He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Be with you forever. It's interesting that the first thing that Jesus wants you to know about the Holy Spirit is not just that he's big and mighty, even though he is, and it's not that he will give you goosebumps and emotional experience, even though he will. But the first thing Jesus wants you to know about the Spirit is that he will be there at all times. He will never leave you. He will always be there. He will be with with you forever. That's information numero uno. The first thing you need to know and be grounded in, he is with you. Meaning there will be times when you feel his presence and how we love those times. But there will also be days where you don't feel a thing. But he's still with you. Because, church, hear me out. The spirit is not with you because you feel him. He's with you because Jesus promised he would be. And Jesus never lies. Ever. Amen. So sometimes when you don't feel him, that's just when you have to lean in and believe in the promise of Jesus, regardless of how much or how little you feel. Amen? A few years ago, I was on a plane flying to a small group of islands in the Atlantic Ocean called the Faroe Islands. Uh, This is a small group of islands, and it's only like 50,000 people actually living there, but they had arranged a conference for 4,000 people which is really impressive. That's like 8% of the country's full population. So I was going there to preach an Easter conference. And I was sitting there getting my heart ready and reading my Bible on the plane. 
And next to me, there was a guy sitting and, and he was huge. He was like extra large in every direction. And, and not only was he super large, he was also super drunk. This guy was so drunk, I was almost being intoxicated by the fumes that came out of his body. And because he was super drunk, he was also super loud. So there he was having his own solo performance in the plane, letting everybody know whatever entered into his mind at the time. And, and again, dear friends from the US, let me tell you something else about Swedish people. When, when somebody's very loud in Sweden, everybody else quiets down. So now nothing is heard on this flight apart from this guy sitting next to me speaking at the top of his voice. And when he does, he's also doing this gesture. So he's bouncing into me all the time. And you might think, oh, Pastor Joachim, holy man of God. <laughs> I'm sure you were praying for the salvation of his soul and the forgiveness of his sins. No. To be super honest, I was not in prayer mode at the time. I was in irritation and annoyment mode. That's the mode I was in at the time. I, if I was praying for anything, I was praying for God to move this guy to another seat. You know, just upgrade him, downgrade him, just grade him away from me. You know, he's messing with my holiness here. So I hear him, I reading my Bible, really annoyed with the guy sitting next to me. But all of a sudden, the captain comes on the speaker saying, ladies and gentlemen, um, we just heard that there's a storm over the Faroe Islands and we will not be able to land tonight. We have to turn the plane around and go back to Sweden and make another attempt tomorrow. We're sorry for the inconvenience. And at that news, the whole plane went like, oh. And if you want to know, that's Swedish people expressing intense anger. <laughs> If you ever hear a Swede go, oh, run for your life. <laughs> Everybody went, oh, apart from this guy who started screaming and shouting, no, no, get this plane down. I want to see my family tonight. He's screaming at the top of his voice and I just go, oh. Like the captain was like, oh, really? Well, then I make an attempt anyway. Just like, oh, just stop talking. And all of a sudden he turns to me and he looks at me and he looks at my Bible and he looks back at me and then he says, ma'am, you better pray right now. Amen. And to be honest, I'm being very honest here and vulnerable here. I'm, I, I was taken completely off guard. I was not prepared for that statement, for that request. So I just thought to myself, what, what do I say? How do I respond to that? So I, I turned to him and said, no. <laughs> I will only pray if you pray with me. And the whole plane went, oh. <laughs> the whole plane is now listening to this conversation. So he thinks for a while and then he says, no, I don't believe in God. Isn't it amazing that he wants me to pray to a God that he does not believe in? I said, well, if you don't pray with me, I don't pray either. The plane went, oh. <laughs> and then he thinks for a while. And then he turns to me again and he says this. If I pray with you, 
will we be able to land tonight? <laughs> the plane is now completely quiet. <laughs> Everybody wants to know what's the Bible guy gonna respond? What's the Bible guy gonna say about this? And here am I just desperately searching my heart for a confirmation, for a word from God, uh, praying for an angelic visitation, Michael, Gabriel, anyone really, <laughs> praying for the finger of God to write in fire on the wall of the plane. Yes, Joachim, you can go ahead and say yes, because I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. <laughs> there was a nothing there was not a sound. It was so empty and quiet that I had an echo in my heart. And I just had nothing. No goosebumps, no emotional experience, no external sign of a promise from God. The one thing I had was the promise of Jesus that he will never leave you. The spirit will always be, where, be there. So I took probably the deepest breath I've ever taken. And I said... Yes. <laughs> if we pray together, we will be able to land. So help me God. The whole plane went, oh. And this guy says, well, let's pray then. Folded his hands, bowed his head. And I put my hand on him and I prayed. I prayed for a long time. That was an extended version, director's cut prayer. That was the, the long version, uh, allowing God maximum time <laughs> to perform this miracle. And when I ran out of things to pray for, I finally just said, God, I pray that we will be able to land tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And this guy said, amen. And the whole plane said, amen. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> Five seconds later, Ladies and gentlemen, we just heard news from the Faroe Islands. The storm has cleared and we will be able to land tonight. <laughs> Guys, I am not sharing this story with you to make me look like a spiritual superman. Rather the opposite. I'm sharing it because sometimes you will be in that very same position. You will not feel a thing. You will have no goosebumps, no external confirmation, no fiery word from God inside of your heart, but he is with you. And when you dare to believe he's with you, he's ready to do a miracle in you, for you, and through you. Can we give some praise to the Lord in the house of God? Praise God. Dare to believe. Dare to believe that he is in you, whether you feel him or not at the moment. The second thing that we need to do that is our job in the equation is to step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. There's a story, and a well-known story in Matthew 14 where the disciples of Jesus are in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes walking on the water and there's a conversation between him and Peter ending with Jesus saying, come. And Peter now has to step out of his boat, which is not just a wooden object, but its whole sense of security, his whole comfort zone, the only area in which he was in full control. And that's actually what we have in common with Peter. We might not have a physical boat, but we have an inner boat. 
We have an area of comfort, an area of experience, an area in which we feel safe and in full control. And a lot of times, Jesus will step into our boat. He will kind of come to us on our terms, but there will be times when he comes walking on the water and says, you need to step out of that comfort zone now. You need to step beyond your experience so far. You need to do something you've never done before so you can see something you've never seen before. You need to step out of your boat. And we constantly, as we move along with Jesus, we need to do this on an individual basis. We need to do this as families. And we need to do this as churches. Amen? And I just want to finally share one more story. Can I share one more story with you guys? Please say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway, so you might as well say yes. Um, five years ago was one of those times when me, when, when my church had to step out of our boat. And I just want to tell you the basic story and, and hope that it will kind of rhyme maybe with something that you're going through right now or something that God will bring this entire church into in the future. Um, Five years ago, we had a pastor's retreat. We spent a few days just praying, seeking the face of the Lord. And we got a word from God, a prophetic word that we really felt was from heaven. And that was, it will be a new wave of missions. God said there will be a new wave of missions. And we were ready for it. So we just started praying about, okay, where are we going next? What nation, what area of the world, where are we going and, and I shared this with the church, and we started praying about this. We said, okay, church, there's going to be a new wave of mission. We just don't know where this wave will take us. But let's just pray and believe that God will speak and give us the clarity. A few months later, my entire continent of Europe was shaken by a humanitarian crisis in the shape of hundreds and thousands of refugees coming out of the Middle East fleeing the terror of the ISIS and the war. And these people went into inflatable boats on the Mediterranean Sea, and they were just heading straight out in the water. And we realized what was going to happen. They would aim for Athens, Greece, which is the southern tip of Europe. And once they arrived, hopefully alive, they would walk from Athens in the south up to Sweden, in the north because we had at the time very liberal laws of immigration. Guys, walking from Athens to my city, Uppsala, would be like walking from here to New York City. Just so you know what we're talking about here. Hundreds of thousands of people started making this move and Sweden panicked and everybody thought, what is going on here? You know, the, the Muslims are coming and they're gonna take us over. Even many Christian leaders spoke out in fear, say, oh, this is the end of Christianity. The Muslims are coming, and, and what are we going to do? And I still remember to this day, we, we brought the pastors together when you started praying, okay, God, how should we position ourselves in the face of this dramatic situation? Hundreds of thousands of Muslims will soon be coming straight into our nation. And I remember specifically God spoke to me and he said this, Joachim, do you want to build a church of fear or a church of faith? And I said, sir, I want to build a church of faith. And, says, and then he spoke to me again and said, faith doesn't deny the problem, 
but faith chooses to see the potential inside the problem. Faith doesn't deny the obstacle, but faith chooses to see the opportunity inside the obstacle. Now, I'm not making a political statement here at all because I was not in agreement with the liberal, liberal immigration laws of my own nation at the time. But you see, friends, these people were coming regardless of what I thought or anyone else thought, right? So that left us really with two choices. Either we could step out of the situation, distance ourselves from it, and complain about it on Facebook, or we could step into the situation in Jesus' name and dare to believe that somewhere inside this humanitarian disaster there might be a seed of revival. So what we did was we coordinated our churches, those Word of Life churches that were on the route from Athens, Greece to Uppsala, Sweden, so that the refugees could walk from one Word of Life church to another. And every time they came to a new Word of Life church, they were given medical care, food, clothing, but more than anything, they heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When they arrived in our city, we put a big banner on our church saying, refugees welcome. And hundreds of Muslims started flooding into our church. That's never happened before. Talk about stepping out of the boat. But what we realized was that as we were sharing Jesus with them, their hearts were wide open. And they said, you know, we're not just fleeing the ISIS and the war of the Middle East. We're fleeing Islam. We want to leave that faith behind and find something else. And when we preached Jesus, they started accepting Christ by the hundreds. We saw miracles made by God in the lives of Muslim people. Some of them not even having converted yet. They were healed and delivered and, and Jesus started appearing to them in dreams and visions. Jesus even appeared into a room of, in, in an apartment with 11 Muslims in the living room. Jesus showed up and he preached the gospel to 11 Muslims. And then he led them in a sinner's prayer. When Jesus leads you in a sinner's prayer, you get saved. <laughs> And then he told them to go to our church, and I was so happy to hear that. <laughs> now, we've led about 900 Muslims to faith in Jesus Christ in our church alone. We had to start a former Muslim Bible school to, to uh, uh, give them a firm foundation in the Word of God. Can you have the next picture, please? And... And now they're leaders in our church. They're serving in our church. And I've got so many church members named Muhammad now. <laughs> I did not see this coming at all. But you know what? When I on a Sunday look out over my church family as we are worshiping the Lord, I see all these people, sons and daughters of Ishmael, by the, th by the hundreds People that used to bow down to another God a few years ago, but are now worshiping the lamb that was slain. Tears running down their face, encountering the presence of Jesus Christ who loved them and died for them. And I think to myself time and time again, what if we hadn't stepped out of our boats? 
What if we hadn't done something we'd never done before? What if we would have acted in fear rather than faith? All these things would not have been able to happen. And now these are amazing people that is part of building our church family. And it's completely changed the dynamics of the church. And I love these people so much. They can't pronounce my name either though. They're Arabic speaking. They gave me this t-shirt recently. Pastor Abdullah Kim. <laughs> Little did I know a few years ago that I would become Pastor Abdullah Kim to hundreds and hundreds of former Muslims. All that it took was one step of faith outside the boat into the unknown. And God was there to make a miracle in the people whom he had prepared to receive the gospel that we were prepared to share. Amen. And as the worship team comes up and we come into the close of the message, I just want to pray for you because there is a connection point here to your situation, to your life, and I believe to this church as well. I don't know what kind of boats God will ask you to step out of, what kind of steps of faith he will direct you to take in days and weeks and years to come, but I know that when you take that step of faith into the unknown, when you take your step out of your comfort zone, out of your experience up until this point, there's a miracle waiting on the other side of your obedience. Amen? So if you want me to just pray for you where you are right now, I would like to agree with you that the spirit who lives inside of you will rise up in you stronger than before. That you who are prepared by the spirit to speak will connect to your world that are being prepared to hear and that you will see miracle after miracle because of the power that is greatly working in you and through you. So why don't we just stand to our feet in the presence of God and let me just pray a prayer, prayer for you. I just feel the Spirit of God moving in a certain specific way right now. I, I do believe there are people in this room who has never ever really heartfeltly believed that they would be used by God. Maybe there's shame in your life. Maybe things happened way back in your history and, and the shame has not really left you. And, and even though you're in a church environment, you might exclude yourself from, from believing that God is actually willing and able to use you. Let me tell you a word from God. He is willing and He is able. He is willing, He is able. He is willing and He is able. He will use you. And all you need to do is not produce the miracle, but just dare to believe in His goodness. Dare to believe in His presence. Dare to believe that He's with you and is ready to move through you into your world. Let's lift up our hearts and lift up our hands to the Lord and just allow Him space right now in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, we thank You so much for preparing us to share and also preparing our world to receive. Father, in the week to come, I pray that you will send all these brothers and sisters of mine out into a world that is more prepared than they might have ever thought. And I pray that as they speak, as they share, as they give the love and the life of Jesus to their world, they will speak into open hearts prepared hearts. Father, we will dare to believe. 
we will dare to believe that you are with us not because we feel it maybe but because you have promised us and you never lie and father we are willing to step out of our boat we are willing to step out of our boat in jesus name we thank you for our experience but we don't trust in our experience in that way that we are limited to it father help us as we step out of our comfort zone and as we do take those steps of faith i pray lord that there will be miracles that there will be miracles father i thank you that you're calling this church to take new steps of faith to to step out into brand new territories guided by your holy spirit and when they do lord i just see it in my heart right now there's going to be a such a mighty harvest that will go beyond what they could ever pray for and believe for and even imagine and all it's going to take is one big step of faith at the sounding of your word your calling come father i pray that it will happen everything will happen according to what you have prepared for every single individual every single marriage family for this entire church have your way holy spirit have your way holy spirit in jesus name in jesus name thank you thank you lord